right, next drug class. Angiotensin receptor blockers. Now, instead of blocking the production of angiotensin, we are going to block angiotensin's effects. its effects by blocking its receptors. So it's basically going to work exactly the same way that ACE inhibitors are going to work. So the adverse events, you're still going to get hyperkalemia, but you're not going to get the bradykinin results. Um, there's going to be no cough, but there is still a chance of angioedema, but it's even rarer than it is with ACE inhibitors. And they can also cause renal failure in what kind of patients? In renal stenosis. And what do we use angiotensin receptor blockers for? Blood pressure, heart failure, MI, and diabetes. Does that sound familiar? Pretty much pretty much everything that we use them for ACE inhibitors for. Okay, so the question is why wouldn't these be the drug of choice over ACE inhibitors? What do you think? Okay, they are a little bit more expensive. Why else? They haven't been around as long. They haven't been studied as much and they haven't had as much time to prove themselves. All right, now, this drug, eplerinone, eplerinone, I don't know. I've never heard it pronounced, so I can only guess. It is also an aldosterone receptor blocker. Um, it, it blocks aldosterone's effects, just like, just like aldactone does. But it's newer, and it has fewer side effects than uh, spironolactone. What, what kind of side effects does spironolactone have? Man boobs, gynecomastia. So this one doesn't. Um, it's not used very often just because it's more expensive, but eventually it will be used more often. Ooh, yay! Movies, I love movies. You want to see it again? Watch again. All right, so what were, the, what were these little things up here? So this is a neuron. This is little acetylcholines. They come and they start to affect the receptors. What? Nicotinic M receptors in this case, which in turn opened sodium channels, which allowed sodium to come in, which caused an electrical charge change, which in turn came down this little T-tubule until it hit the endoplasmic reticulum and in a muscle cell that's known as the sarcoplasmic reticulum, which in turn released calcium, which in turn activated muscle contraction. Got it? Want to see it again? Let's see it again. Now, let me ask you this question. The only difference is I know what I'm doing here. All right. What was it that allowed 
these calciums to come out of the endoplasmic reticulum? Okay, that's the signal, but what allowed them to actually physically get out of there? A door. <laughs> okay. And not yet, no. That's a different thing altogether. So, what's the technical name for a door that allows an ion to go through it? A channel. And these were what kind of channels? Calcium channels. Now, this is for skeletal muscle. And smooth muscle and cardiac muscle slightly different, but the same principles apply. In order to contract the muscle, you have to have the presence of calcium. And how does calcium get free? Through calcium channels. So what would happen if we blocked those calcium channels so they were stuck inside the sarcoplasmic reticulum? The muscles would not contract as much. Now, you can never block them 100%, but you can slow them down so that you'd have more calcium here, less here. That's going to cause less muscle contraction. So what do you think our next drug class is? Ooh, calcium channel blockers. You're so smart. Now, now calcium channel blockers will cause vasodilation, because they will block the calcium channels in arterial smooth muscle cells. SMC stands for smooth muscle cell. They will also block transmission of electrical impulses through the SA node and the AV node. And then finally, they will also reduce contractility of the heart itself. So we're going to get arterial vasodilation, we're going to get slowing of the heart rate, slowing of the conduction through the heart, and a reduction in contractility. So do you remember these words? Chronotropic, dromotropic, imotropic, and you thought that you didn't really have to remember them? Oh, yes. So take a moment and look them up again on your PDA if you need to. All right, what is chronotropic? Slowing the heart rate. What's dromotropic? Slowing conduction. And what is inotropic? Contraction. So if we say it's a negative one of those, it's going to slow them down or reduce them. If we say it's a positive, it's going to increase it. Yes. Yeah. So for instance, if you give atropine, that's going to affect what? Heart rate. It's going to make heart rate go up. So that would be called a positive chronotrope. But would it have any effect on the other two? No. So there you have it. All right. Calcium channels in the heart are coupled to beta-1 receptors. So if you give beta-1 and calcium channel blockers at the same time, sometimes that will make them go more so than if you just give one. All right. Now we have two different kinds of calcium channel blockers. Hold up your fingers. Two kinds. All right. Now, one of them, the dihydros, as I like to call them, act only on arterial muscle. So what are they going to cause? 
vasodilation, are they going to affect heart rate? No. No. Because they affect only arterial smooth muscle. All right, now, when I said, are they going to affect heart rate, and some of you said yes, you're kind of correct. Because what happens if we vasodilate? What will happen to blood pressure? It'll go down. What will that do, cause the brain to do? It's going to cause it to release epinephrine and stimulate sympathetic receptors. What's that going to do to the heart rate? Speed it up. What would that be called? Reflex tachycardia. These drugs can cause reflex tachycardia, but that's not a direct action. That's a side effect. All right. Amlodipine is also known as Norvasc, and it is by far the most popular one in the United States. Norvasc, amlodipine. You need to know that name because you're going to see it a lot in hospitals. Norvasc. Now, nifedipine, known as Procardia, had a problem. It was the very first one that was ever discovered, and it worked really well to lower blood pressure. But what was the, that adverse side effect we just talked about? Reflex tachycardia. Not only did it cause reflex tachycardia, but it also caused reflex increased contractility. And that actually caused the heart to become damaged. So we actually killed a few people by accident. But guess what? There's a happy ending for the makers of nifedipine. Because they have a long-acting version which doesn't have that bad side effect. So you may still see nifedipine, but it'll only be the long-acting version. But by far, the most common one you're going to see is amlodipine, also known as Norvasc. It is or was the most popular antihypertensive drug in the world, well, in the United States at one time. Now, there's two other drugs that we call non-dihydros. Now, these will act on arterial and cardiac calcium channels. So, arterial and calcium. So, will these affect the heart? Yes. So, in these, what do you think an adverse effect of these could be? Decreased heart rate. And what's that called? Bradycardia. So, you can get bradycardia as a side effect of these. So, before you give these, what should you do? Check the heart rate. So, verapamil and diltiazem. The brand name for verapamil is Kalin. I really don't see it called that very much. The brand name for diltiazem, there's a couple of them, but, but the most common one is cardizem. So, if you ever see cardizem, you're going to think diltiazem, which is a calcium channel blocker. And so, actually, uh, it appeared on a quiz that you guys took last week. What? Verapamil. Kalin. C-A-L-A-N. Both of these drugs are short-acting, have to be given multiple times a day. However, they also have long-acting or extended-release versions. So, the long-acting version of diltiazem is called uh, cardizem CD. I, I don't know why they call it CD, but that's what it is. Controlled dose, continuous dose. There's another version called Cardizem LA for long-acting. The long-acting is, the LA version is meant to be given at night, just so you know. You might see that one on a test someday. Um, the Verapamil version is called Verapamil SR. 
All right, so let's talk about verapamil and diltiazem. We are going to use them to dilate artery, arterioles, which will cause lower blood pressure. We're going to use them to reduce heart rate, to reduce AV conduction, so we can use these for dysrhythmias, and we're going to use them to reduce contractility. Now, what that means in the real world is we can use them for angina pectoris. What's that mean? Chest pain. Chest pain. We can use them for hypertension, and we can use them for <coughs> dysrhythmias. Now, if they slow conduction, what kind of dysrhythmia do you think we would use these for? what's called tacky dysrhythmias, fast dysrhythmias. All right, now, adverse events. In terms of cardiac, they can cause bradycardia. If they slow down heart conduction, that can cause what we call heart block. As far as non-cardiac, everyone's favorite, constipation. Also, why dizziness? Okay. Edema of the feet and ankles. One of the things that will happen in, in calcium channel blockers, because they're blocking arterial smooth muscle, it actually changes vascular permeability and allows more proteins to leak out into the, um, into the interstitial space. So those patients can get edema typically in their ankles and feet. So if you see a patient who's got edema and they're on a calcium channel blocker, you need to think, could this be because of a side effect of these drugs? The last one is gingival hyperplasia. What is that? Okay. Gingiva are gums, and hyperplasia means overgrowth. And I showed you guys a picture of this in health assessment. It was pretty gross, right? You remember that? Uh, you can look it up on your own. All right, drug interactions. Digoxin, we're going to learn about that in uh, like two weeks from now, maybe next week and beta blockers. So both of these drugs slow down the heart. Both of these drugs slow down conduction. Both of them interact with verapamil and diltiazem. Any questions? All right, next, the dihydrose. What, what drug are we talking about here primarily? Amlodipine, better known as Norvasc. It affects only arteries at therapeutic doses. So we're going to use it for angina pectoris and hypertension. What are we not using it for? That the other two were. No, no, we already said hypertension. We're, we're using it for angina pectoris and hypertension. What are we not using this one for that we use verapamil and diltiazem for? Dysrhythmias. And why don't we use it for dysrhythmias? Because it doesn't affect the heart. Got it? Okay. Let's think about this. Look, look up, look up, look up, look up. Okay. Dihydropyridine. What's the drug name? Amlodipine. We're going to use it for hypertension and angina pectoris. It does or does not affect the heart? Does not. Done. You got it. Just commit that to memory and you'll be good. The non-dihydros. What are the two drugs? Verapamil, diltiazem. What are they used for? Hypertension and angina pectoris, just like the other one, but it's also used for dysrhythmias. And what's the major side effect that it has the others don't have? Bradycardia and heart block. 
Got it? Okay, good. Now, adverse effects, hypotension, ankle edema, just like, just like the others, proteinuria. Um, it can actually cause leakage of protein into the urine. Same, same mechanism as the ankle edema. We don't know if this is a long-term damage or not. We also know that it goes away if you give it in combination with these inhibitors, but who cares because you don't care about that. And then finally, gingival hyperplasia, just like the others. This, it can cause reflex tachycardia. But in, you start them at a low dose and then gradually increase the dose and it usually doesn't. Okay, so, so far we've hit, what was the first drug class we did? ACE inhibitors. ACE inhibitors. What was the second one? Angiotensin receptor blockers. Oh, you know what? I forgot to tell you the name of an angioceptor, angiotensin receptor blocker. And I can't remember which one you're supposed to do for your must-know drug list. But all of these end in sartan. So losartan, candesartan, herbisartan, um, telmosartan, they all end in sartan. All right, next class we're going to talk about. Oh, and then we talked about calcium channel blockers. How many kinds are there? What's the difference between them? One affects the heart and one does not. What are the two drugs that affect the heart? Diltiazem, verapamil. What is the one that doesn't? Amlodipine or Norvasc. All right. We're going to move on to adrenergic blockers. Alpha-1 receptors. Have we... Gosh, this looks awfully familiar. Have we ever talked about this before? Yes. When? Oh, nervous system. That was, that was like uh, Pathopharm 1. Years ago. So you might want to go review that because we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. But basically, alpha-1 receptors are located in the, in the arteries and in the bladder and in the eye. We are not going to talk about all the other things because we've already talked about them before. You do need to review that though. So we can use them for um, Raynaud's disease, we can use them for benign prostatic hyperplasia, and we can use them for hypertension. The major adverse effects, orthostatic hypotension, how are you going to reduce this? Lower doses and give them at night. Now, what's the danger in that? If you're treating benign prostatic hyperplasia, what's the major symptom there? You have to pee all the time, including at night. So if it doesn't treat them enough where they, don't have to, where they stop going to the bathroom at night, they can become more at risk for falls. Um, can also cause nasal congestion and impotence. Yay! Out of the drugs, which is the one that you need to know? Terazosin is the one that you need to know. Um, Tamsulosin, its major claim to fame is it has much fewer side effects. The only thing it's used for is the BPH. And its uh, brand name is the very suggestive Flomax. All right. Educate, educate, educate. Yes, yes. Yeah, this might make your peepers stop working. 
when you want to go uh, make nookie. And you could fall if you get up too quickly. Yes. That, that was Dr. Reed's version of the... His peeper. His what? Yeah. Okay. Next class is beta blockers. Beta blockers block. Beta 1 is what we're interested in. Beta 1 is located in the heart. Think one heart, two lungs. <laughs> one heart, two lungs. Beta 2 affects lungs. Beta 1 affects heart. Beta 1, heart. Okay, so we are going to reduce heart rate. We're going to reduce the force of contraction, and we're going to reduce the velocity of impulse conduction. So, first one, what's this called? Chronotropic. What's this one called? Inotropic. What's this one called? Dromotropic. We're going to use it for angina pectoris. If you slow down what the heart's doing, it's going to use less oxygen, going to make the pain go away. We're going to use them for hypertension. We're going to use them for cardiac dysrhythmias. What kind do you think? If we slow the velocity, we're going to use them for tachy dysrhythmias. We're going to use them in patients who have heart attacks. We'll talk about that in a week or two. Um, we're going to use them for heart failure. And you can also use them for performance anxiety. So any of you ever uh, do something like public speaking or take a test or you know, you're in a play and you like, you're like, uh, your heart's like boom, 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 boom. You got the butterflies in your stomach. And you're like, oh my gosh, you can go out there. Oh, look at, my hands are shaking. Oh wait, you've been checked off by me, right? Some of you shake when you get checked off in lab. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because you know I am that scary. Err. It's the claw. You're really scared. All right. So, you can use you can use beta blockers to blunt that epinephrine effect of stage fright. All right, adverse effects. These should be um, a review, bradycardia, reduced cardiac output, which can actually cause heart failure. Now, do you remember, we use this to treat heart failure, but it can cause heart failure? Does that make any sense at all? No, but guess what? We'll talk about it in two weeks or three weeks. AV heart block. It, so it can, if it slows, anything that slows down conduction of the heart can cause heart block. Rebound cardiac excitation. What does that mean? So when you stop taking it, all of a sudden you have this rush of epinephrine. And then, whew, yeah, let's get that, let's do that again. I guess it's good for adrenaline junkies. It's going to blunt the effect of epinephrine, which is going to blunt stress, which could make some people, uh, could, yes, but it could also be bad for them if they need the effects of stress. What kind of person might need the effects of stress? Okay. Um, do we do we have any side effects of a drug that causes epinephrine release? Um, low something, but not bradycardiac. Okay, low blood pressure, but low something else. Something else. 
Well, something else. Think more pancreas and liver. Say again? Blood sugar. No one says, I said that five minutes ago. <laughs> sure you did. <laughs> All right. So someone who has low blood sugar, what are the effects of low blood sugar? What do we get? Shaky, irritable, butterflies in the stomach, a little confused, heart racing, cold sweat down the back. What is all that being caused by? Epinephrine. Epinephrine. So if we block it, we're not going to know early on whether we have hypoglycemia or not. Now, if the beta blocker we're giving is not selective for beta-1, you can also get bronchoconstriction, which can worsen what two disease processes? Asthma, Asthma and COPD. It can also, if you've got a non-selective one, it can inhibit glycogenolysis, which can make our patient with hypoglycemia worse. <laughs> All right, then. Um, cardio-selective versus non-cardio-selective. Propanolol is non-selective, so it's going to inhibit what two types of receptors? Beta-1 and beta-2. So it's going to have all of these side effects plus these two. Metoprolol, on the other hand, is cardio-selective, so it only affects beta-1. So it's going to have all of these side effects, but not these bottom two. Now, there's another, there's another uh, thing, fat-soluble versus insoluble. If it's fat-soluble, it can cross, into, cross over the blood-brain barrier. So, metoprolol and propanolol can both cross the blood-brain barrier and get into your head. Whereas, atenolol is non-fat-soluble and therefore doesn't. And in the old days, they thought that atenolol would be a better drug so it wouldn't have central side effects. But as it turns out, it makes it not as good. Blah, blah, blah. Atenolol. Don't worry about it. Metoprolol. Metoprolol can get in your head, so can propanolol. All right. Precautions. Severe allergy. Why? Let's imagine that Hitch came to your ER, what would be the drug of choice to treat him? Say again? Epinephrine. And if you're giving a beta blocker, it's going to inhibit the effect of the epinephrine. And in caution and diabetes, why? Mask the symptoms of hypoglycemia.